Good morning. Welcome to Axios Today. It's Tuesday, August 15th. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Today on the show, AI comes for books. But first, an alleged criminal enterprise. Trump and allies are indicted in Georgia. That's today's one big thing. Last night, an Atlanta grand jury indicted former President Trump and 18 of his allies in their probe into efforts to flip Georgia's 2020 presidential election results. The indictment alleges that rather than abide by Georgia's legal process for election challenges, the defendants engaged in a criminal racketeering enterprise to overturn Georgia's presidential election result. That was Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Willis speaking to reporters last night. Among those charged are lawyers Rudy Giuliani and John Eastman and former White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows. This is the fourth indictment against Trump since April. Axios co-founder Mike Allen is here. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Nyla. Walk us through this indictment. What, to your mind, stands out the most here? Former President Trump now faces 91 felony charges. And this is why we're calling last night's action in Atlanta the indictment Trump feared most. Because this indictment ties together multiple actions by multiple people over multiple states. So here's what's new. The use of a state mobster statue, the RICO law that we know from movies, racketeer organizations. And this was used to charge Trump and those 18 allies that you mentioned with violating the oath of office, conspiracy to commit forgery, filing false documents, and more. And Nyla, look at this complexity at that late night news conference that we just heard uh, a bite from. The district attorney said that these 19 co-defendants will be tried together. Uh, they have up until noon on Friday, August 25th, uh, to surrender. So What we have is we look ahead to the 2024 election, which is looking like a rematch of the Biden-Trump 2020 election. We're going to see it interspersed with the essential, sometimes deafening context of all these legal cases. What are we hearing from Trump and others about this so far? So the Trump team uh, put out a statement that said, we look forward to reviewing the indictment, undoubtedly just as flawed and unconstitutional as this entire process has been. But Nyla, behind the scenes, Trump people know that the gravity of this is growing, the distraction of this is growing. Like for a while, they were playing up, as you know, the attention to the indictments, as we've talked about. But now you have a situation where, as one of my colleagues put it, Trump could be spending as much time in courtrooms as he is on the campaign trail. Mike, this is the fourth indictment, so incredibly, this may start to feel almost commonplace. Can you take a step back and remind us why this matters? Sure. First, look at how big this single one is. It's RICO. No president can pardon him on this. The specifics are very damning, very detailed. The timing is tough for him to manipulate because there are so many of these co-defendants. But zoom out and think about this. The indictment says Donald, John, Trump, and other defendants conspired and endeavored to conduct and participate in 
a criminal enterprise in Fulton County, Georgia, and elsewhere. The next paragraph, Nyla calls it a criminal organization. Nyla, those are words for history. Axios AM author and co-founder Mike Allen. Thanks, Mike. Nyla, thank you for the coverage and conversation. After the break, the book market faces new pressure from generative AI. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome back to Axios Today. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Generative AI continues to influence industries across the spectrum, including now publishing, Amazon is the biggest seller of books in the world, and increasingly, customers are finding AI-generated pseudo-books there, sometimes even using authors' real names. Axios's global technology correspondent, Ryan Heath, is here to explain. Hi, Ryan. Hi, how's it going? So when we say AI-generated content, are we talking about entire books? Entire books. Now, remember, a book could be as little as something like 50 pages. It could be a thousand or more pages. It really depends on the type of book you're going for. And of course, AI can spit those out in a matter of seconds or minutes with the right prompts, whereas it might take a human months or years. Can you give us an example of how this is playing out? Well, there's an absolutely terrible example uh, that involved a publishing expert called Jane Friedman, who had a series of books published in her name. Now, it's a reasonably common name. Maybe it could have been another Jane Friedman. And she had people reporting to her that this was happening on Amazon. And she complained to Amazon about that. And Amazon initially said, essentially, well, have you trademarked your name? How could we stop other content in the name of Jane Friedman being on our platform? She got a lot of attention for this complaint because it did really seem to be a serious action against her reputation and her life's work. Uh, And so they took those books down in the end. But we're going to see this happen again and again in genre after genre. Who's behind this content? Well, that can be anybody in the same way that people pop up with uh, spam emails. You have people who simply have a good idea in their spare bedroom or their basement. And they think, hang on, maybe I'll write travel guidebooks for the whole world by putting in a few key prompts. And hopefully a few people won't check my background. They won't see what the reviews are. And I'll get a bit of money uh, before someone catches me out on that. So it really could be anybody. And because people and companies have rights to privacy, it's hard to unpack that when all of this is occurring on private publishing platforms. So how can consumers tell the difference? It gets back to some of those core literacy points that we would also apply to something like the 2024 election, which is that you should check where your information is coming from. And if you don't see that somebody else is agreeing with it or publishing it somewhere else, that could be a sign that this is coming, being generated by AI. So really, it's a case where you need to verify rather than trust where your information is coming from. So we talked about the specific example with Jane Friedman. Has Amazon announced any broader principles about how they're meant to deal with this? 
Well, Amazon does not have a ban on AI content being sold on its platforms. So a lot of this, even for a big company like Amazon, is about feeling its way through this transformation that AI is bringing. Because there's a lot of legitimate AI-supported content that could be on Amazon, but directly ripping off a person's name or pretending to be them probably goes a bit beyond what is legitimate. And so even Amazon has to figure this out as it goes along. And of course, the more extreme examples are going to surface and hopefully that will end up putting some guardrails in place, whether that's through company policy or whether it prompts regulation at the end of the day from a state or federal government. But I think there's also a clear case for quality in this instance, which is that the work of the best human authors is clearly better than the work an AI can produce at this point. And so it will be up to those human authors and their representatives to find a way to market and explain that so that people continue to have interest in it. Think about the foods we buy at supermarkets and at other grocery stores. You can get almost any type of food at any sort of low price, but is that the food that is healthy for you? And those are the sort of questions people are going to have to ask about the information they consume, not just the food they consume. Ryan Heath is Axios' global technology correspondent. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks. Speaking of reading, while school is on the horizon or even already in session in some parts of the country, we're still holding on to our summer reading for as long as possible. But in honor of the school year, we've got some not-so-beachy recommendations for you this time around. We asked Colombian journalist and podcaster Tatiana Duque what meaty reads she recommends. Hi, I'm Tatiana Duque, and I'm a big fan of Axios Today. I'm going to give you my summer book recommendations. So first is this essay book from Roxane Gay called Not That Bad. It's dispatches about rape culture and how to fight against it. And the other one is from a Colombian young writer called Juanita Vélez that wrote this book about the transition of thousands of former guerrilla fighters in the FARC into their new lives after the peace accord with the government in my country, and it's called Una Guerra Después, that translates something like a war after. That's Not That Bad, Dispatches from Rape Culture by Roxane Gay, and Una Guerra Después by Juanita Vélez. And we'll include a link to Tatiana's Spanish-language news podcast in our show notes. That's it for us today. You can always send your feedback by emailing podcasts at axios.com, or you can text me at 202-918-4893. And don't forget, you can keep sending me your summer reading recommendations, and we'll share more of them soon. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, and we'll see you back here tomorrow morning.